Flip to Freedom, episode number 37. Hello again, this is Sean Terry again from the Flip to Freedom podcast, and we are on episode number 37. Now, if you are listening for the very first time, I designed this podcast to help you escape the 9 to 5 and live the lifestyle of your dreams by learning how you can make an absolute fortune flipping properties in your spare time even if you're brand new you have no cash you have no credit or no experience oh man it's been a crazy whirlwind of uh past couple weeks um i've actually uh reopened the flip to freedom academy it was a unbelievable success i actually had to shut it down early because uh you know there's only so many people i can um to work with and my phone literally uh has been blowing up off the hook um with people all across the country um that I am working personally with hands-on, um, talking to them, setting up game plans, doing assignments, um, and rocking and rolling. Now it's uh, it's definitely an exciting time. So um, in this particular episode, we are going to talk about the seven deadly sins that will kill your business. So it seems like talking, when I'm talking to these people, um, these brand new tycoon members of the Flip2 Freedom Academy, I'm talking to them, there is an innate fear in people about what could happen what if I do this wrong what if I do that wrong what if I do this wrong and you know and uh, and what I try to do is instill in confidence in them and take them down a path to go out and get success as fast as humanly possible uh, flipping properties in their spare time the good thing about it is guess what I'm, you know, they don't have to turn around and get a hard money loan. They don't have to turn around and raise capital for private funding. Uh, they don't have to turn around and, uh, you know, and get bank financing. I'm talking about flipping properties where you don't need any cash. You don't need any credit. You don't need any experience. A lot of the guys, you know, they're getting up and started. They don't know anything about real estate. They don't, they're not the first thing about it. Um, they don't know how the real estate market is. They've never bought or sold a house before. They're completely brand new to the real estate game. Don't even really understand the lingo, which is uh, which is okay because that's what it's all about. It's getting started and uh, and be able to um, implement the information. And that's why I put this podcast together um, for you and for everybody because um, so you have a complete detailed um, how-to instruction on exactly how uh, you can do this business with no cash, no credit, no experience. And, you know, how can you do it with no cash? Well, it's very simple. You can uh, you can contract a property that's below market. Let's say you have a $100,000 property. You find a motivated seller that wants to sell the property. You can do a contract with them. And the contract would say be for $50,000. And let's say your closing date is in 30 days. Well, then you would market the property now because you have an equity interest in it to cash buyers. Now, a cash buyer is uh, someone that is looking for a property for either a, uh, a rental or rental purposes or they're looking for fix and flip. And guess what? These guys, cash buyers, they're used to buying at the auctions. They're used to buying bank-owned properties. They can make a decision quickly. They can, um, they can typically make a decision just by walking through the house. They have cash and they can close in 24 to 48 hours. So you market the property that's below market that you have under contract for $50,000 to one of these cash buyers for $60,000 and guess what he's going to wire in the money not you you're going to get $10,000 the seller's going to get 50 everyone's going to be happy and uh and uh, you're going to make $10,000 now that is this business and you guess what you can do one a month 
and make 120,000 a year doing that. Let's say you average about $10,000 per deal. You could do five a month. You could do 10 a month. I mean, I mean, it's just, um, you can do as many deals as you want depending on how hard you want to work. And that's what's great about why I love this business because, you know, I, like I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I have a high school education. I didn't go to college. I, um, I went into the Marine Corps after high school and and uh, went out and traveled around the world and learned some incredible things and actually grew up and you know and and uh, you know kind of you know figured out my life then and, and then got out. And one thing I learned in the Marine Corps is that you know what, it's just how hard you are willing to work and put forth the effort to go out and get the results. It's a result-based business. It doesn't matter matter how smart you are, how intelligent you are. It doesn't matter, you know, if you got straight A's, imagine if you got F's, but the, the bottom line is it matters if you're willing to put forth the effort to go out and get the results. Now, in this particular episode, we're going to talk about the seven deadly sins that will kill your business. See, because like I said, there's this fear from people that are afraid to really push forward and get started because they're afraid of what might happen and what if this happens or what if that happens. So, well, in this episode, I'm just going to I'm basically going to cover it, and then I'm also going to give you the solution. I hate those. Have you ever read those um, blog posts where they give the seven deadly sins of this, but then they don't give you a solution how to overcome it? Well, that's a worthless uh, blog post. I just don't like it. So listen, give me the deadly sins. Give me the solution how I can overcome it, and then I can sleep at night. So, you know, I I don't want to hear all the bad stuff and then not tell me how to get over it, right? So that's what we're going to talk about in the in this episode. I'm going to give you the seven deadly sins, but not only am I going to do that, I'm going to tell you exactly uh, how to overcome it so you can uh, move forward. See, I, I want to take this fear away, this blanket of, uh, you know, that, or this bro block or this uh, obstacle that's in your way of these, these fears and then uh, get over that so then you can push forward to go out and get success and flip properties and crank it out in uh, whatever city or state you're in. Now, I can tell you with the great thing about you know working with people all across the country is guess what man this market's on fire i've got guys i mean i've got guys lining out the door looking for properties it's unbelievable right now in the marketplace right now i'm telling you i mean i've got guys with millions of dollars sitting on the sideline going hey i'll buy anything that you can get your hands on you know and uh and we i mean we're hunting like crazy looking for deals putting them out most of 90 percent of the deals we're selling don't even hit the website i make about four or five or six calls to some of our vip buyers or people looking for properties and bam they're gone within you know a matter of hours which is just unbelievable and I'm getting the same type of feel from uh, people that I'm working with across the country that there are hungry cash buyers out there looking for deals so why is that why is now the time to get started well, I can tell you is because think about it the market took a shift now you remember the stock market right stock market went down to what 6500 6700 well think about it what were what what if you were that guy that loaded up at 6,700. Now, there are people freaking out. There are people selling, going, oh my God, I got to sell, I got to get out. The market's going crazy. 6,700, I got to get out of the market, right? You know, and then there's the smart money. 
it kind of sitting on the sidelines. They kind of waited. Market started to go up, you know, start to go sideways, went up to 68, went up to 69. And they started buying in the 72, you know, 7,200 range, you know. And then they started – and they loaded up on all these different stocks and stuff. And now the market's, you know, just, you know, crazy right now. I think it's, uh, you know, up over 11,000, which is just phenomenal. So there's, there's opportunity there. Now, the great thing about real estate is – is that there's leverage, you know, for every $10,000 of stock you get, you're going to get $10,000 know, of stock here in, uh, in real estate. There's actually leverage that takes place. You can control a $100,000 property with $10,000, which is uh, phenomenal. It's almost at 12,000. You believe that? The market's at 12,000. So it's almost gone up a hundred percent from the, from those lows. So you look at it right there and you're going, wow, we are at the same point right now in real estate. We're at the same point where the market has just went down. And now, you know, people are coming in in hordes and uh, buying up deep discount properties because they know the market will come back. See, the market's not going to stay like this sideways kind of crazy a little bit, you know, for, for that long. The market's going to come back and the people that capitalize on it right now um, are going to go out and make uh, a fortune down the road. Now, for you getting started, you know, getting started flipping properties where you don't need cash and credit is definitely the way to go. Understand the lingo. Understand how to market for motivated sellers, how to find smoking deals. And you're going to come across deals where you're going to want to leave. You're going to say, hey, listen, I'm not going to sell this deal. This is a smoking deal. I'm going to keep it in my portfolio. And you're going to start building a rental portfolio of cash flowing properties that you can hold on to. That Guess what? Those properties are going to be worth, you know, I don't know. You can't, can't predict, but they're going to be worth a lot more then than they are now. I guarantee it. And it's going to produce cash flow along the way. So those type of opportunities are going to come up. All right. So now let's get into uh, the seven deadly sins that will kill your business and what they are. Now, the first deadly sin is this. Marketing for sellers before you know what the market will buy. Now, this is the thing, because obviously marketing costs money. If you're you're buying bandit signs or you're putting out yellow letters to absentee owners or to uh, inheritance list or to you know um, you know probate or to um, you know other you know divorce or code violation whatever, you want to make sure you target your marketing to specifically to know exactly what the market's buying. Now, if you're in a market where they're all buying million dollar houses, you don't want to start you know uh, marketing for forty fifty thousand dollar houses. That wouldn't be smart with it so you want to go in and you want to kind of do some market research and these are what i'm you know talking to these uh, brand new tycoon members i'm having them go on a quest i gave them their first assignment and their assignment was to go on a quest it's very specific and detailed and told them exactly what they need to do to gather up back and bring information back so then we can take that information and determine exactly where to uh focus the marketing and uh, to know exactly what to sell. See, now my philosophy is this. And let's say let's say you and I we're going to go open a burger joint, okay? Um, and we're going to call it, you know, Fred's Burger Joint. And we're going to go into a market. We're going to go in and we're going to see, okay, what is in the marketplace? Who's selling burgers in the marketplace? Well, you got, you have a uh, Burger King over here and they're selling their burgers for $1.29. They got you know, McDonald's over here. They're selling their burgers for $1.39 you know, you know, or whatever. Well, guess what? I want to put a burger stand in there. And, and if you don't do your market research prior to find out what the competition is doing, uh, then 
you're going to be stuck. You're going to be putting out burgers at $2.50 and you're going to be wondering why nothing's selling. So what I did is I said, guys, we got to go find out. We got to go find out what the market will bear. My philosophy is, is to have the best product, the best burger for the best price. So think about it. If you have a, uh, a wholesale property that's in the right location and it's better priced than all your competition, you're going to sell it faster than anybody else. And that's the gig. Now, you might leave a little bit on the table, like, you know, a couple thousand dollars, whatever on the table, but it doesn't matter because you'll get a reputation in town of having the best deals in town and you'll have people lining up your door to get deals. And that is a great problem to have. Well, guess what? Then you can start networking. You can start building a team of, of bird dogs and teaching them and training them to go out and find deals. I you know, I do masterminds here in Phoenix every every uh, two weeks. And uh, for the Flip to Freedom Academy members, we pull them all together. And man, we're cranking out. We're talking about deals that's going on. We're talking about the marketing we're doing, where it's accountability right there and we're talking about the buyers that who needs what and where and we're all gathered around to go out and make as much money as we possibly can so it's awesome anyway so how to overcome that marketing for sellers before you know what the market will buy that's trying to market burgers before you know what the heck other burgers are selling well the first thing you do is this is you find a realtor and you have them do a search within the mls and ask them to pull all the cash transactions within the last 90 days in your county okay and have them pull that for you what's going to happen is they're going to email you over all the cash transactions now if there's less than 100 or around 100 have them pull it back maybe uh you know back six months or 12 months or so so you can get a good feel of where the uh the, where the cash buyers are actually buying now properties that are purchased within the mls are excluding all the properties that are purchased at the, down at the county courthouse where they actually hold the foreclosure auction so um so what you're doing is now you're going to get this and they, typically in the mls they have a map feature you can look at the map and you're going to see a cluster of high cash transaction areas you're going to see little pockets where there's high cash transaction areas well guess what that's one spot we're going to focus our marketing. That's where we're going to put bandit signs. That's where we're going to send yellow letters. We're not going to send them to areas where there's where there's low cash transaction areas. You want to do it where there's high density of cash transactions because you know if you find a property in there at the right price, then you can turn around and sell it. Now, the next thing you want to do is you want to look you know, at all these transactions. You want to look through there and uh, determine the price. Uh, determine the conditions. Sometimes in the MLS, you can look at actually the pictures of what the properties look like. Look like. You can determine the days on market, how long the properties have been on the market. And what you do is just kind of look through all the pictures and you'll get a pulse of what's going on um, within the MLS and what is actually selling and closing for cash and cash only. Okay, so the next thing you want to do after you pull all that information is you're going to go down to your local courthouse or you're going to find the place where they're actually um, are uh, holding foreclosure auctions. Okay. And you're going to go down there and you're going to network and you're going to be talking to cash buyers. Because think about it. These guys down at the courthouse steps, they put up here in Phoenix, they put up a $10,000 deposit. And then they've got 24 hours to close on the property. If they get a winning bid, close on the property cash. The $10,000 is non-refundable and they have to close cash within 24 hours. And there are like flocks of people, flocks of people sitting down there bidding on properties that will pay cash within 24 hours. Now think about it. Let's say you tie up the perfect property, right? 
and then you bring it to one of these cash buyers, do you think they can make a decision quickly? Uh, yeah. Do you think they have $2,500 to put down for non-refundable deposit? Uh, yeah, because they're used to that. Do you think they can close quickly? Uh, yeah, they can close in 24 to 48 hours. That's what I'm talking about. So that's the perfect person. So what you want to do is go down to those county courthouses, go down to where they're holding the foreclosure auctions, and go down there and and uh, network and get as many cash buyers network with them find out what they're buying get their business cards get their name get their email and start building that relationship with these cash buyers now this is the thing you don't need a hundred thousand cash buyers you don't need ten thousand cash buyers all you need is a handful five or six or seven that will continue buying properties from you and uh, you can make an, a killing an absolute killing with that many cash buyers which is great all right so after you go down the courthouse, the next thing you want to do is go to the local RIA, Real Estate Investment Association Club. Go there, and you're, you're going to start networking with um, uh, rehabbers. You're going to start networking with uh, fix and flippers. And the other thing you want to do is you want to find all the other wholesalers in town. You want to find all the other McDonald's, all the other Burger Kings. You want to find all the other wholesalers in town. And you want to get on their email list, their property alert email list. Now, what's going to happen is these uh, other wholesalers are going to email you property alerts of what they have for sale. And you're going to get a real good gauge of what a wholesale property price is. So here in Phoenix is about 78%. I mean, my fault, 68% to 73% of the aftermarket value. And it fluctuates uh, depending. Like over uh, September through December, it got down got down in the 65, 67, 68% because it was slower then. Well, now it's actually because it's heated up like crazy, um, they actually move up the LTVs even higher, up to 68, to 70, to 72, to 73%. So it depends on what your market is. So these guys are selling of what they believe the after repair value is um, a certain percentage and you can get a gauge on that. So if, let me let me tell you. So let, let's say a house is $100,000, 70% LTV would be $70,000. 68% LTV would be $68,000 just for an example. So that's what you do is you kind of get these emails coming across and you're going to get a feel of what is selling and uh, and what the price that they're selling at. So you know after you look at 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 of these and you get a good gauge of what the uh, LTV, you know if you come out at 65%, 67%, and you have a good property in the right location, you'll sell that property off the chart. It's, it's, uh, I mean, it's a no-brainer because you, you're knowing, you know exactly what the cash buyers want. You know where they're going to buy based upon the MLS. You're networking with cash buyers down at the courthouse, and you're getting their name and talking to them and interviewing them and finding out what they're looking for. And then it's literally just teeing it up to them. It's just now finding the property and teeing it up to them. It's, it's like it's so simple. It's almost like this. It's like saying, hey, excuse me, Mr. Customer, you know, what type of cake would you like? And they go, well, I would like a chocolate cake with uh, vanilla icing with cream filling. And you say, okay, if I give you, and you go back to the customer and say, listen, if I, if I go out and make this cake and it's a chocolate cake with vanilla icing with cream filling, would you be interested in buying it? Of course they're going to say, uh, yeah, sure. Of course I'm interested in buying it because that's exactly what I want. So how do you find out what your customer wants? How do you, how do you find out? You just talk to them. 
Say, hey, you're at the courthouse. Say, you're talking. Say, what are you looking to buy right now? What are you buying right now? What do you see? What what, do you, what, 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 what was your last purchase? That's a great one. What was your last purchase? Well, you know, I bought this house over on this part of town and this. And, and what what'd you like about it? Well, I liked the, you know, this, that, and the other. What'd you dislike about it? Like this, that, and the other. And they'll, they'll tell you. They'll just start building a conversation with them about uh, what they're buying and what they're looking for. And hey, how many properties are you looking to buy this year? Man, I'm looking to buy 20 this year. I say, perfect. If you can help them achieve their goal, that's going to help you achieve your goal, okay? And you're basically teeing them up the chocolate cake with vanilla icing and the cream filling, and they will bite down hard every single time, okay? So I get the fishing analogy with the cake analogy with the burger analogy. Okay, great. All right, let's get to the next one here. Um, we are talking about, okay, now think about it. Here's, here's sin number two, blowing the ARV, putting out the property at the wrong price. So now you know the market bears, everything's putting out 68 to 70, you know, 73% of after repair value. So you get your first property out, you're networking with these cash buyers, and then you tee up a property that's 80% of the after repair value. So they're going to be waiting to get your deal and you tee them up and it's 80% and they're going to look at it and go, this isn't a deal, this sucks. You know, they're going to call you back, well, I, th you know, I thought you brought deals. No. And you tee up this lame deal to them that's, you know, that's 80% and they could buy a cheaper one, a cheaper burger down the street, right? So the bottom line is, is that you can't screw up the after repair value. You can't screw up the after repair value. And um, if you do that, in, you know, you're going to blow your credibility with these cash buyers. And then any other emails that come across, they'll glance at it. But you're not going to get people jumping on it uh, because uh, because you blew it. You, I mean, you, you blow your credibility. All right. So how do you fix that? How do, how do you how do you solve that problem? First off, you got to check the comps. You got to make sure you have a really good idea of what has sold number one in the subdivision. Okay, and it has to be within 200 square feet of the subject property. Okay, and it has to be a like property. That means it has to be single story for single story. You know, pool has a pool, same pool type of thing. And it has to be within the subdivision first, look in, then look a quarter mile, then look a half mile, and then look a one mile radius. That is pretty much the formula to determine um, what property is potentially worth. That's, that's number one. Now, within that, you're looking for properties that have been renovated properties that are newly renovated and if you're looking you know through the MLS or you're looking through Zillow per se and you can see pictures and stuff um, what you're doing is you're looking for properties that have uh, that, uh, that say key keywords like renovated or rehabbed or you know brand new or new kitchen or new whatever and that will give you an idea of what the after repair value is now that's just the first step the second step is you have to find out what else is on the market because a cash buyer is going to go to the house, they're going to drive the neighborhood, and they're going to look at all the other properties that are for sale, and they're going to say in their head, they're going to go, okay, listen, I could buy this property that the wholesaler you're teeing up, or I could buy this house down the street that's on the MLS. Now, if you're priced at 70000 and you have a house around the corner that's similar square footage, that's priced at 65000 guess what? You're not going to sell the house. You can, you're going to sit on it forever because no one in their right mind is going to buy the house from you if they can buy the house right around the corner, the similar square footage for 65, unless it's a short sale and they don't want to go through the long process. But typically, they're going to be bank owned. So my theory is, 
here, especially in Phoenix, is that I try to be priced anywhere from three to five percent under bank-owned prices properties. So if you have a if you have at 65 and you see that property in the subdivision at 65, well, guess what? I want to be at least you know at 59,000, 58,000, because anybody in the right mind knows if you make an offer on a bank-owned property, you're not going to offer market whatever the market is, you're going to come in under the market. And if you have a $65,000 property, you're going to offer in the 55, you know, 54, and probably negotiate up to 59. Now you have to go through a hassle and back and forth and stuff like that. So if you can tee up your property and they can get it for say 57, 58, 59, then guess what? You're under all the bank home prices. You can tell them you get the cheapest house in the subdivision and you'll get that property and you'll sell it quick. So that is how, um, typically what I do in a research and looking into that particular market so I make sure I price the properties right um, than cheaper than anything else in the marketplace. Okay. All right. Now, number three, sin number three, not having an out clause on your contract. Okay. I know that's a rookie uh, mistake, but you know, I know there are some people listening to this right now that have never done a real estate transaction, but listen, there are what called out clauses out clauses are a clause in your contract that allows you to get out of the deal no matter what okay an out clause is um is like your get out of you know i can't sell the property i'm out and you have uh, no liability whatsoever okay uh, you must have an out clause in your contract my second deal i ever did I, I made all the mistakes i did a contract and i waived all the out clauses how dumb was that? I mean, that was, I knew better in my gut. I knew better, but I was like, oh, you know, I'll sell it. No problem. It's like one of those, you know, a kid is and there's like no fear, you know, and uh, they'll just be running around the pool. They have no idea that they could jump in and drown. Well, that's the way I was. I was like, a, I was a kid running around the pool having, oh yeah, I'll sell it. No problem. And it was beat her up, nasty, like seven, you know, five or 800 square foot house. I didn't even know. It was a nasty old house. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm so, no problem. And he wanted to wanted me to give him a thousand dollars earnest money, and uh, instead of bringing it to escrow, I gave it to him. Another stupid mistake. My second deal ever, you know. So, because I thought I was invincible, right? Well, that was that was uh, dumb. Anyways, I did get out of the deal. I actually made two thousand dollars on it. But I look back now, I'm going, holy cow! I could have got killed on that thing because I waived all my out clauses. Now. What are some of the out clauses you can put in your contract to make sure you're protected? First one, contract subject to partner's approval. That's an out clause. So a partner could be your cash buyer, right? Your cash buyer comes through, three or four or five cash buyers look at the property, they don't want to buy it. Hey, you know what? You go tell title company that you opened up escrow, you tell the buyer, the uh, sellers, say, listen, you know what? I uh, brought a couple of my partners over the property. We're not in agreement. We have two different options. One, we can cancel the contract or we can renegotiate the price. So those will, that will give you your out clause on the contract. I always go back and try to renegotiate the price. Well, what I do is, is I have a cash buyers go over there and if for some reason it's not priced right or there's something I missed, I'll say, hey, listen, what's your price on it? Tell me your price before you go. Or tell me your price and what, what you're gonna pay for it. And they give me a price on it, then I'll renegotiate with the seller and get the price down so I can uh, in, still make a spread on it, but also too, be able to sell the property to the, uh, to the buyer. Okay, so that contract subject to partner's approval. The no, number second, second clause is in the event of a default, the sole remedy shall be the earnest money. Now, how much earnest money do I typically put down? None. 
I don't put, I, I, ne- I hardly ever put down earnest money. I don't put down anything. Why? Because most people don't even ask. Well, they don't even ask. So if the sole remedy is the earnest money, how much do I lose? Nothing. I don't, I, I rarely, rarely ever put down earnest money. So that is, <laughs> that is uh, the two clauses that you want to use uh, to protect yourself for the contract clauses. All right. Now, sin number four, not getting a non-refundable earnest money deposit from your buyer. Okay. So now you have a property. You got it locked up. You're excited. You priced it right. Okay. And it's priced about everything. You start talking to your, some, some buyers that you met at the courthouse or at the RIA meeting or, um, or, uh, you know, or you found and you send some people by there and you go and the guy says, I want it. You're excited. You go, you know, meet with him. You get the purchase contract from him. Um, and, uh, he goes, well, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll just get the earnest money. I'll, I'll get it over to title or, or, uh, you know, um, you know, I'll, I'll just get it in later. No, that doesn't work for me. I either get a I either get a check right there, or they have to have the earnest money in the uh, open up escrow in deposit with the escrow within the time frame specified, um, or the deal's dead. Okay, so you have to get an earnest money deposit from people. Otherwise, people aren't committed. Then a him and ha, and they find another property, and they go, I don't know. Uh uh-uh. uh. You want to do business with me? You want the property? Listen, I've got a line, a line of people out the door for this particular property. I will be happy to sell it to you, but the, I need an earnest money deposit. And uh, that's all spelled out on my website. It's all spelled out on my uh, contracts and stuff like that. So they know they have to do that. So now, um, what is the solution? How do you do that? Well, what you do is you tell your cash buyer, say, listen, until, listen, we'll do a contract right now, but this is just a contract. Until you get your earnest money in, I'm going to be taking backup offers on it. If you don't get your earnest money in by 5 p.m. today, then this, this I'll, I'll take accept my backup offers on the property um, or I'll remarket the property and get it sold to somebody else. So they're going, okay, I got to have it by 5 p.m. This guy needs business. He's not messing around. I best better write him a check right here, and I better get this deal done so we can get it closed. So that works. And because pe- if people are serious about it and serious enough to write up the contract, then um, then they're going to be serious enough to put the earnest money deposit down. And if they're not, they're pulling your chain. I mean, there's other you know guys will pretend to be cash buyers, and what they'll do is they'll try to tie you pr- your property up without putting in earnest money so they can in turn turn around and flip it. They see you marketing at 65%. They see the market out there is the market is like 68%. So they're going to say, hey, man, I, I, can, I can get this thing under contract. I can turn around and sell it. So what I'll do is I'll just sign a contract with them. I'll delay them on the earnest money and see if I can flip it myself uh, and make a couple bucks on it. Well, that doesn't fly with me either. Unless they come to me up front and they tell me, say, listen, I'm another wholesaler. I got a potential buyer for it. I'd like to mark it up and turn around and sell it. And uh, then I'd say, great. I give them a non-exclusive flex option. I'd say, here, go ahead and market it. Here's your non-exclusive flex option. If you find a buyer before I do, great. We can, uh, and my net price is my net price, then great, we can move forward and close the deal. If I sell it, then deal's off the table. And, uh, and it works that way, it works great. So, all right, so that is sin number four. Sin number five, trying to sell the house before you have all the numbers. When you're doing marketing, okay, when you're marketing for motivated sellers, you're going to get a flood of calls coming in, okay? And the rule of thumb is for every 25 calls you get, you get one potential lead, 
Okay, one potential ah, crazy motivated seller. They want to sell and they got to sell now. So that's basically 25 calls to one lead, right? So there's other things you can do to squeeze out uh, more deals out of that. And that's by, you know, what I do is I put them in, in my brain. I put them in like little buckets. Okay, here's this bucket right here. Here's this one. It's going to be a straight motivated seller. It's going to be a wholesale cash deal. And then here's these other buckets where it's going to be like a subject to, or it's going to be agreement for sale where I can structure to leave the existing loan in place for a certain time, right? With a certain down payment. And then there's a lease option because they don't want to do that paperwork while I structure it that specific way. So for every 25 leads that come in, you might get one motivated seller that's going to go in this bucket, bucket A, and then you're going to have some, you know leads that come in. You might three or four are going to fit in bucket B, which would be the you know agreement for sale, and you might have one or two that fit in bucket C, which is your lease option bucket. So what happens is you're marketing for all these motivated sellers. They're going to fit in different uh, scenarios, and then um, when you're dealing with subject to, and you're dealing with agreement for sale, and you're dealing with lease options, you have to know what the numbers are on the property before you market it. I'm working with a guy right now in Ohio, okay? He has a property. The first thing I told him to do, I said, listen, get a letter of authorization, send it to the bank, figure out what the payoff is, the property's behind on payments, figure out what the reinstatement amount is, and then once we have those numbers, then we can go to market, okay? Because think about it, let's say you market it and you believe because the seller tells you that there's $10,000 in back payments, but you actually get the real numbers after you have it sold, right? For, let's say you get someone to put $15,000 down and uh, you have $10,000 in back payments and uh, they're going to buy the house subject to the existing loan of say you know, $100,000 or so. What's going to happen is is that you get this reinstatement amount and the reinstatement comes back and it's $14,900 and you got a $15,000 buyer because you prematurely marketed it. Well, done. It's over. You make 100 bucks. You know, that's it. It's over. You know what I mean? So I always go out and I get the payoffs. I get the reinstatements if I have those. I get all the numbers up front, closing cost, everything. Then I'll go out and market the property because then I can tack on whatever I want to make on the property and know that's what I need to get the down payment to make a profit. So if everything comes in at $10,250, i will turn around and say, hey, listen, I need to get $16,250 down uh, to make, make the deal work, of which the $6,000 would go to me. The $10,200 would go to the, uh, the seller or the bank, if those are what the numbers are, and closing cost. And then the person would be able to buy the property on a subject to basis. Okay, Hope that's not too uh, confusing for you, but that is, uh, that's how I do it. Just trying to get all the numbers before you do it. The next thing is coming in and trying to flip an REO without knowing what you're doing. Okay, um, people come in, they're brand new, they don't know the lingo, they know what's going on, they don't know what's going on, and they go, holy cow, they got these REOs out there, right? I'm going to start working with a realtor, I'm going to start making tons of offers on REOs and short sales, and I'm going to try to negotiate them and get them at a good price, and I'm going to turn around and flip them. Well, I'm going to tell you, it's a lot harder than it looks. I wouldn't suggest it if you're brand new. If you're seasoned and you've been in the business and you've done um, deals in, you know, 10, 20, 30, you got deals in your belt, then listen, you know, power it out. Go to, go to uh, you know, REOs and crank them out. The thing with REOs is you have to be extremely aggressive to get a price down that makes sense. Remember I talked about, think about it, because a cash buyer is going to go in and they're going to pull all the comps in the neighborhood if they have realtors that they work with, and they're going to say, hey, this property is listed for 54. I don't care if the ARV is 
you know, three hundred thousand dollars. They're gonna say it's listed for fifty-four. You're trying to sell it to me for sixty-four? Forget it. They'll buy a house right around the corner. Or they listed for fifty-four, and then you're gonna turn it around, and, you know, and, and sell it for for uh, for you know for fifty-four two. They're gonna say forget it. I'll buy a house around the corner that's listed on the market. What I have found. For this particular market, and I know from other talking about working with other people across the country, is that if you price a bank-owned REO, it's got to be priced at least three to five percent under what the list price is. So if it's listed for fifty-four, I'd be trying to sell the property at forty-six, forty-seven, forty-eight, you know, because uh, because now it's under, and I spent the time and energy and added value to the transaction by negotiating it and going through the painstake and negotiating it down. When you do that, you're adding value to the transaction action and uh, it's a better deal for the buyer um, and you get to close it and flip it for whatever profit so if you get a property for 54 you're gonna have to get under contract for 40 so you can turn around and sell it for 45 to 46 so you can make a buck on it okay so that's uh, with REOs now with REOs you have to know exactly what you're doing before you're making offers now if you want to know exactly what to do Listen to episode number 14. Episode 14, I pretty much broke down how to go out and make uh, money flipping REOs, okay? And uh, you can do that. Listen to episode 14. I go through in detail again um, for about an hour on exactly how to flip REOs. So if you want to reference that, you can go back to episode number 14. And I'll have that in the show notes for you if you go to the site at flip2freedom.com. All right. Now, sin number seven, don't ever get a hard money loan on a flip unless you have ample cash in the event of a disaster. Now, you know, you're going to get a deal that's going to come across and you're going to say, well, you know, I'll just get a hard money loan, I'll hold on to it, then I'll turn around and flip it. Uh-uh. If you have to take the property down, um, now, now listen, I'm, I'm just talking about are, you know, I'm just talking about wholesaling properties. There are some people that are listening to this right now are more seasoned. They know how to uh, turn around and buy and fix and flip properties. I get it. I've done it. I know how to do it. It's uh, and you know, it's it's part of the game. But the bottom line is is that there's some people I'm listening. They're brand new, and they're going, okay, I don't want to get myself in trouble. Don't get a hard money loan to actually buy a property, um, and then turn around and flip it and try to turn around and sell it without adding any type of value to it just because you think it's a low price and you have to close on it. See, what happens is some people get in contract and they maybe do the marketing and they don't have a big cash buyers list or they don't, or they don't, um, they couldn't find a particular buyer. It comes to closing date and they go, I, you know, I, I just got to find a way to close this thing because I know I can sell it. Well, that's like having a stock that's going down and saying, oh, you know, I, I just got to, you know, I just got to hang on to it because I know it's going to come back. Well, forget it. Dump it. It's a bad stock. Move on to something else. Don't get a hard money loan on it unless you have ample cash reserves or you can add enough value to the property that you can turn around and sell it either to a, uh, a buyer that's going to buy it for rental purposes or for um, that's going to uh, live in it and actually buy it as a retail property that they can, they can buy it. Make sure you do all your numbers and have the spread and stuff like that. So for a brand new person, I would suggest 
letting if you come down to the end and the contract's going to expire let the deal go or renegotiate the deal is what i typically do i try to renegotiate time i try to renegotiate um extra uh you know discount in price if i'm having a hard time selling it so that's uh that's what i typically do but usually going in i try to get the numbers exactly right to where i don't screw up so i don't have to renegotiate it um but then sometimes i <laughs> i'm talking in circles here but I always go back and always try to renegotiate a better price is is once I have the property in contract because it can spread and make an extra two or three thousand dollars in the deal. If they don't want to budge, then I just I just keep it and close the transaction. But why not go back and ask for another two to three thousand dollar discount after you get the property already sold on a good deal? If they say yes, guess what? It's an extra two or three thousand dollars. If they say no, you know, then you still close the deal and you make your profit. So that's, uh, that's, that's how that works. All right. So now, the whole goal of me telling you all these, these seven different sins is because I want you to have the fear removed so you can move forward. These are things that happen, but guess what? Now you know how to get around them. Okay. Now, I want to also tell you a, a, a real, real quick story of a gentleman I talked to yesterday. He's brand new, got up and going. And, uh, and th there has to be inside a person a, what can I say? A, um, you know, it has to be this innate drive to figure it out. Okay. Or, or just, not, not, not really push through it. Now, let me tell you a story and maybe I can relate what I'm trying to say here. Is I talked to him up and he said, hey, you wouldn't believe I was trying to get, you know, this information from this company and blah, 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 and all this, you know, and it was so difficult. They don't know what they're doing and blah, blah, blah. Now, he's the only one complaining that I've ever heard about had a problem with this particular company when he was trying to get a list. But I said, okay, and I listened. And he said, okay, well, I went out and, you know, I, I sent out letters and, you know, I don't know if this works or not and this, that, and the other. I said, okay. I said, how many letters did you send? He said, I sent 100 letters. I said, you sent 100 letters? I said, okay. I said, how many calls have you got? Well, I got 15 calls. I said, okay. I said, what's the problem? Well, I, I thought I would at least get two or three deals out of this. Dude, you sent out 100 letters and you got 15 calls. That's pretty good. You got, you know, 15%, you know, on 100 letters. That's, that's, I'm going, man, that's good, dude. That, that's really good. But... He's going, oh, I thought I was going to get some deals out of this. See, I, I almost, you know, I didn't laugh because I don't want to be rude. But the bottom line is this, is that he only sent out 100 letters. I was like, dude, go to work. You know, 100 letters? You just want to stick your toe in the water to see if it's cold before you jump in? Jump in. If you're going to do it, do it and do it big. Don't send out 100 letters and just test the market. Go in and send out, a th I've sent out thousands and thousands and thousands of letters and took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of calls. You know what? Go out and put out thousand letters. Go out and get, you know, uh, you know, 50, 150, 200 calls and guess what? You will get a deal. And I told you, I asked him, I said, I said, hey, you know, I give away a free book online at flip2freedom.com. I said, Go to, you know, if you want to go get it, it's at flip2freedom.com. I pretty much go in detail extensively on exactly how to do this business. I leave no stone unturned, and you can download that for free at flip2freedom.com. So I asked him, I said, hey, did you read the book? 
Well, you know, I'm, I'm partially way through it. I said, okay. I said, did you listen to the podcasts, episode number 22 through 26? That's another. I recorded about five hours of audio, episodes 22 through 26, where I basically broke down the business on how to go out and get your first check from start to finish. Okay. So I said, did you listen to those episodes? Well, I'm on the first one. Okay. Now, mind you, I talked to him about two months ago, and I told him that he had to listen to those episodes, and I told him he had to read the book. Okay, so he calls me up going, I don't know what's going on. I got so now 100 letters. So he hasn't read the book. See, if he read the book, he'd know. And if you listen to episodes, he'd know that for every 25 leads you get, you get one deal. He's only got 15 leads coming in. And I'm like, listen, go to work. Go send out a thousand letters, get some calls coming in, and then you can come back and call me, <laughs> you know? Now, you might have some leads coming in, you know, you're going to, want to talk about it or give me a call. But the bottom line is this, is that, you know what, you have to have this, um, and the best way I can explain is this. A very wealthy person once told me, he said, listen, the hardest thing that you're ever going to attempt to do in this lifetime is getting rich. That is the hardest thing. Think about it. 3% of the population are wealthy. 97% of the population are just getting by. Think of your friends, your family, your relatives, your coworkers. Think of everybody you know. Everybody's getting by. Or they get, they're in a job that they hate. There's no passion. There's no excitement. There's no, you know, nothing. They're dead. And there's that 3% that have a lifestyle that most people only dream of. And that's what we are attempting to accomplish, to work for yourself, to go when, you know, wake up and do whatever you want to do. If you want to get up and go to the gym, go to the gym. If you want to spend the summer at the beach, go spend the summer at the beach. If you want to go, go to your daughter's uh, recital class or whatever, and it's 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock in the afternoon, go because you have the freedom to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And he said, the hardest thing you'll ever attempt to do is get rich. And you know what he said after that? His eyes welled up and he said, it's worth it. It's worth it. The freedom, the lifestyle, the, the just, whew, you have to deal with politics, the commute, the boss, the cap on earnings, all gone. It's worth it. But don't send out a hundred letters and think it's going to get, can get rich. <laughs> Go to work. And I happen to hear this from Will Smith and uh, if you listen to my previous episodes I, I really like Will Smith and like what he's done in his crusade to teach other people uh, about his success and what he's accomplished but you got to listen to this he tells the key to life what the key to life is and it's a, a great inspirational I think it's a minute and 40 seconds but you got to listen to it uh, because he gives you this innate drive to push through, to do more, 
to sacrifice today for the better tomorrow. Sacrifice today. You might have to sacrifice time with your family. You might have to sacrifice uh, funds or whatever. You might have to sacrifice, you know, working. But sacrifice today for a better tomorrow. You might have to sit down with your family and say, listen, we're, you know, daddy's going to hustle. <laughs> Mommy's going to hustle. We're gonna, I'm going to learn this business and I'm going to turn around and do it because this is just the beginning. Flipping houses. Then you can get into buying and building a huge rental portfolio of cash flowing properties that come in. Then you can get into other stuff if you want. But it's worth it. It's putting forth the effort. It's worth it. Now let's take a second here and listen to Will Smith as he shares with us what the key to life is all about. I want to say something that I want you to remember for the rest of your lives, okay? I want you to listen closely. I'm giving you the key to life right now. This is the key to life. The key to life, the key to life is running and reading, all right? Now listen, very serious. The key to life is running and reading, all right? Now, why running? When you're running and you're out there and you're running, there's a little person that talks to you. And that little person says, oh, I'm tired. My lungs are about to pop. Oh, I'm so hurt. I'm so tired. There's no way I could possibly continue. And you want to quit, right? That person, if you learn how to defeat that person when you're running, you will learn how to not quit when things get hard in your life. Running, all right? That's the first key to life. I got this real psychotic thing about, like, you know, perfection and working hard. And, like, real young, I realized that the person that works the hardest wins. And, you know, it's like, you know, while, while the other guy's sleeping, I'm working. The other guy's eating, I'm working. You know, the other guy's making love. You're well, making I mean, I mean, I'm making love, but I'm, <laughs> I'm working hard at it. Let's make it very clear. You're not making love with that other guy. today with me to go out and be the one that's going to work harder, it's going to work smarter, and it's going to make a commitment to your success to make a difference in your life for you and your family that you can go out and become more than you've ever dreamt possible because you have it in you. I know you do. And Will just explained to us exactly how he did it in his key to life because you're going to have that little voice in the back of your head that's going to be nagging you nagging you to quit maybe 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 you put out a thousand letters and you don't get a deal you get you get 150 calls and you don't get a deal what are you gonna do quit it's that nagging voice but what if the next five calls you get turn into deals and guess what it's a numbers game 
It's a numbers game. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter your nationality. It doesn't matter what language you speak. It doesn't matter. You can get started in this business and you can put forth the effort. And what is the effort? Marketing. The, the effort is getting calls, taking calls, making offers on properties and getting deals accepted and selling deals. It's just a numbers game. And see, we control the numbers, don't we? Now, if you'd like to receive my free book, you can go to flip the number two freedom.com, flip to freedom.com, and you can go there and you can download my free 129 page comprehensive detailed blueprint that people have told me that they spent well over a thousand dollars. In, uh, for the same material that I give away for free. And also, I, I suggest you listen to podcast episodes number 22 through 26 um, for getting started. And uh, and then there's another you know 36 different episodes you can listen to uh, within iTunes or on the website if you go to the archives there. So I want to thank you so much for taking the time. For all the people that have signed up for the Flip to Create Freedom Academy, I'm excited to work with you guys all across the country, and uh, and it's it's a blast. I mean, you know, have a close bond with people and work with them through their fears and and uh, going out and doing deals all across the country, and that's what it's all about. And uh, because you know what, you know that that will, it's going to make a difference in someone's life. I mean, if you look at some of the videos of, of of what people have accomplished, you know, of going out and they're going, oh my gosh, I did it. I did it. They had doubt. They had fear. They didn't think they could, you know. But that's what it's all about because to helping those people get through and push through to the next side and get their first check and then get another check and then get another check. And that's what it's about. So until the next episode next week, I wish you ultimate success in your real estate investment career. Take care. And God bless.